Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church or on our YouTube channel. You can always find video content of all our messages as well as services for your preschool and elementary school kids. We all really want to get back to what really matters in life. How can we find peace when it seems so elusive at times? How do we live as we were created to be? Join us as we journey forward into 2021, looking at some ancient ways as we seek to be closer to God, encounter His Word, find the key to growth and community, and live life more simply. Hey everybody, welcome to Grace Life. So good to be worshiping with you guys. If you would do me a favor, put your hands together. Help me welcome all of our first time guests. So glad to have you here, whether you're in the room or online. Uh, Hey, I want to also call out, especially if this is your first time or recent times that you've been coming, if you've never been to First Step, this weekend is First Step, uh, right here in the building immediately after our second service on Sunday. So I want to invite you to come out to that, find out who we are, what we believe, what we do. It gives me a chance to be able to say hello to you and get to know you. Uh, If you are online, we are going to be having our first First Step Online in February, so simply text First Step to the number that we put on the screen all the time, and I didn't tell them I was going to do this, so it'll show up on the screen there in just a minute, and uh, they'll give you information about how you can get involved with that in February. Well, everybody, we are starting a new year, and as always, we're starting a new series, but this series is going to be different from what we actually thought we would be doing a couple of months ago. We, We made a big change, and I want to tell you why that is. Uh, Over the last few months of the year, probably about the last four or five months of of 2020, what began happening that I noticed was a series of of encounters where pastors were saying, hey, uh, I feel like God is impressing this verse upon my heart. What do you think this means? God's really been having me pray about this verse. And then I would hear another guy say the exact same thing. And then I even found myself in a meeting of a nationwide network where multiple people were saying God had impressed upon them this very particular verse, and how should we respond as pastors to this this one verse? What does it mean for us? And I thought, well, that's important at this point. It's starting to get my attention. And just a few days later, I was actually on a road trip going to a conference, and I was listening to a, a message preached by another pastor in another state at a completely different time, and he opened up with the exact same verse. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, look, if, if this were a Christmas message that every pastor was preparing, and they told me how God had impressed upon them that Mary was pregnant with Jesus, I would not think that was all that significant. That is what happens at Christmas. It's a pretty standard thing. If, if it were Easter and every pastor said they were noticing the story of Jesus dying on the cross, I would think, well, what do you notice at Easter? I'm not surprised by that either. But this, again, was over a series of months Pastors who didn't know each other, pastors from all across the country, all feeling called to talk about this verse and to say, what does this mean for us? And this verse, I think most people would call an obscure verse. It's from the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament prophet speaking and calling something out. And I think that most people, if I could get 100 people together who normally go to church, 99 of them have maybe never heard of this verse. So when you find something like that, I don't know about you, but it gets my attention. 
And it makes me think maybe God is up to something and we should think about that. So we took a couple of months as a staff and we prayed about what maybe God was doing and saying to us. And then we said, you know what? We're going to change what we plan to do in January and we're going to reshape it around this verse that we believe God is speaking. So hopefully by now I've got some of you really excited. What is that verse? Come on, anybody like, what is that verse? Well, again, I told you it's rather obscure. It's from Jeremiah, an Old Testament prophet. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. I think you'll know this well over the next four weeks because I'm going to keep bringing this up as our theme verse for the whole series. Here's what the verse says. This is what the Lord says. Now, again, God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is written down saying, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Now, at the time, many pastors were feeling in the later part of 2020, this was a, a prophetic call to our nation. It was especially a prophetic call to the Christians in our nation to stand at the crossroads. You know, crossroads are where everybody is moving, everybody is going. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot that's busy. Uh, if you stand at the crossroads, you're likely to get run over. This is not a normal activity for you to stand still in a place where everybody else is making a lot of movement and a lot of direction change. But God is calling his people, saying, wait, wait, stop when everybody else is moving. Look at what everybody else is doing. Notice all the directions everybody is going. And actually, I'd like for you to ask for the good way. There are many ways. You're at a crossroads. And you're going to find that good way if you go back to the ancient past. And I'm going to go ahead and reveal the secret. There's really no mystery behind what was meant by that. The ancient paths were the ways that God had taught his people from the beginning to live. The ways that God intended for them and, and what he had planned and ways to get closer to God. And, and so when we talk about the ancient paths, we're calling this series Ancient Ways because we want to help get back to that very thing. We want to find Number one, the good way, right? It promised us if we find those ancient paths, we'll find the good way. But also because there was another promise in that, that we will find rest for our souls. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love a promise from God to find rest in my souls. Anybody with me, you'd like some rest in your souls? You know, 2020 gave us some rest for our bodies because COVID kind of shut some things down. You couldn't go places. Your schedule was suddenly freed up. At times where it used to be so busy, now you got nothing to do but sit around and watch Netflix. Come on, we all did that for a while, right? You know, found all new shows and all kinds of like, wow, that's cool. Uh, but we got some rest for our bodies. We even got rest for our schedules. But the last thing that most people got was rest for their souls. The truth is, as I've talked to other people as a pastor, I even had a conversation right before walking on the stage with uh, one of the ladies in the, in the hall and, and was talking about just how the past few months have felt. And most every person I know has talked about how they've lost rest for their soul. It's, it's kind of been robbed. You know, I, I had a routine, and I, I think a lot of us had routines, and if you had a routine where you, you found rest for your soul every day, a lot of us, those routines were lost. For me, one of my routines was in between here and where I live, there's the, the Clemson Research Education Center. It's just a great outdoor park with lakes and little woodsy trails, and you can go and walk for miles. And so at least once a week, I would take an opportunity to get away from the office. I'd leave my phone and stuff in my car, and, and I would just take a prayer walk and, and just talk to God. It was a good way for me to get away from everything else. And, and they closed this park with 
the coronavirus thing. And maybe that was supposed to be closed for two weeks to tell us to stay home. I don't know, but it's still closed. So I'm a little confused if I'm supposed to get COVID from a squirrel or I'm giving COVID to a squirrel. I don't know which one they're afraid of, but I'd really like my prayer walking back. By the way, if anybody's watching this that has any control over that. And maybe for you, it was that the, the kids went to school and, and you're a mom who works from home or stays at home. And so you drop the kids off and then you'd have some peace and quiet. And now you don't have peace and quiet anymore because you didn't drop the kids off. Or maybe you, you did go to work and in the office you had a routine where you'd get to the office about 20 minutes early and you could just sit at your desk and just have a moment to take a breath, talk to God after dropping the kids off and running and getting your Starbucks and all the routine and the traffic. I think we had some of that stuff. And most every person I've talked to says they've, they've taken a loss in that area. I don't know of anybody that says their soul has been more restful. So what we want to do for this series is simply look for some ancient paths, some things that God gave to his people to do that well, some of them we've heard of. I think there's going to be at least one we talk about that... Uh, you wouldn't predict. And uh, I think it's going to help us, first of all, find rest for our souls, and well, then second of all, maybe get a little closer to God. As for what God was saying when he spoke this verse to every pastor all, or, or many pastors all across the nation, I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I'm not here to be a prophet to our nation. I am going to say, I think every Christian always needs to stop and look at what's going on around them and, and, and evaluate the busyness of every other person and how they're just going about things and, and really ask, is, is, is that way or that way or that way the way that God wants me to go? So I think that that's a really good word. Again, I'm not a prophet to our nation, but I am a pastor. And so we're going to focus on the idea of God telling us, look for the ancient ways because that's where the good way is. And so what we want to talk about in part one is how we can get a little bit more rest back in our souls. So again, what God said through Jeremiah was a warning. Hey, stop, look, and find the good way. So I think it would uh, make us ask the question, very logical question. If God in chapter six so far, it's chapter six for us, for Jeremiah, it was just pretty far into his rant. <laughs> uh, but for us, it, it, this is where God is saying something. We should probably say, what have they been doing wrong that makes God say, y'all need to stop, look, and choose a different path. And so I thought I would just begin today by reading the first five chapters to you. I thought a better laugh than that. Okay, so here's what I'm actually going to do for you. I did go back and read all of the first part of Jeremiah, really trying to figure out how they had lost the ancient paths how they had lost the way that God wanted for them. So if you'll allow me, I'm going to hit the highlights for you instead of reading all five chapters. Is everybody good with that? I figures you would be. So here's the first thing we see in chapter four. God tells us people, well, here's the problem. My people are foolish. They know me not. They have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil. And when I read that, what's remarkable to me is that it it's just like God speaking through Paul in Romans, saying very similar things like, well, they claim to be wise, but they had actually become fools because they saw me in my works, but they didn't honor me as God. It's like, wait a minute, these are centuries apart. Jeremiah is an Old Testament prophet to the people of God in Israel hundreds of years before Jesus. Paul is a, a little bit after Jesus in the first century, after Jesus has now been crucified, resurrected, and has gone to, to heaven. G, Paul is now speaking to the New Testament church, and we're hearing kind of the same message, which 
is another reason that shouldn't surprise us that maybe in 2020 and 2021, God is once again saying, hey, wait a minute. There are people that have seen me move that aren't recognizing me as God in their lives. There are people who know who I am. There are people who know what the path is. Matter of fact, they think they're doing some really wise things, but they're actually only becoming more and more foolish. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person. Also in Romans, it says, look, I want you to be wise about what's good and innocent about what is evil, whereas he's saying, wait a minute, they're wise as to what is evil. And let me just make sure we understand here. There's no way to be truly wise about how to do evil. That's why it's in, in little quotes there, because true wisdom would, would take you away from doing evil. But, but the reason it's in quotes, it's kind of sarcastic in saying, look, they have become so good at doing evil, they have figured out how to do evil in the most economical way, in the most efficient way, to, to get the most out of it, to offend God at his greatest, and to be the best participant for the kingdom of darkness possible. They, they are just really good at doing evil. So much that they're, they're kind of wise at it is what it's saying. So here's the point. God has said his people are very far from him. That's what one of the first problems was. The people have become very far from God. They, they weren't actively seeking him. They weren't even worshiping him for the most part. Many had completely lost track of who he was. And if we could do this, if we could get into like a, a little time machine and travel back to the time when Jeremiah is speaking to these people and we could say, hey, tell me about what God means to you. Tell me about how you worship God. What we would discover is that most of them had replaced God. And so when they would start talking about God, they would talk about a statue or an idol that they have in their home that they pray to every day for rain and, and a good harvest or, or the moon God or something like that. Some of them, many of them had turned away from the God of the Bible, the God who had created them, the God who had delivered them the God that they knew as Yahweh, and they would have said, oh, you, you mean Baal. Baal, maybe, is how you've heard the name pronounced. It was a pagan god in the cultures around them. And, and so the issue is that they've actually simply replaced him. And because they've replaced him, and they're so far from him, they, God is saying, they don't even know my ways. They don't fear my ways. They, they don't even care that they're missing out on my blessing, and they're not afraid that I might actually bring correction which is what Jeremiah is coming to say. This is why God has said of them in chapter 5, but this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They've turned aside and gone away. So look, when we think about Old Testament prophets, I think everybody here would probably say, Old Testament prophets always bring bad news. Is that what your idea of the Old Testament prophets are? They're just telling everybody what's about to happen, how bad it's about to get, and how much trouble they're in. Is that anybody's impression? That's, that's the way I grew up thinking all of the Old Testament prophets were, and, uh, especially because some of them are like a lot of chapters. Like Isaiah, I mean, if you do the Bible reading, you're going to be in Isaiah for like a month. I mean, it just takes forever to get through all the things he had to say. But I, I want to help us a little bit here because truthfully, that's not really what is happening with the Old Testament prophets. What is happening with the Old Testament prophets is God revealing his heart because they always come first saying, come back. Yeah, there might be correction, but that's not God's heart for you. God's heart is to be with his people. God loves you. God wants to see you not go the wrong direction anymore. Every time the Old Testament prophets come, we only remember the parts where they say, and this is the bad news that's coming. But the truth is they always start by saying, God wants you back. And that's exactly what he's saying. So we're going we're gonna to see God doing that even through Jeremiah because before he gave him this warning in chapter 4, here's what God starts to say to them. 
But if you return, O Israel, declares the Lord, to me you should return. If you remove your detestable things from my presence, if you do not waver, just return to me. See, actually God's asking them to do two things. And this is what we're going to find out is one of the ancient ways of his people, which is to get closer to God and further from some things of the world. In this case, some of the things of the world were specifically evil. God hated some of the things they were doing, like worshiping Baal and even getting involved in uh, child sacrifice to some other gods and praying to some other god that the rain would come. And then all of these different things. This is detestable because I am God. I'm the one that created everything. I'm the one that blessed you. I'm the one that gave you the land you live in today. I'm the one that delivered you from all of your troubles. And yet, you do these other things. The ancient way of getting closer to God and getting away from some things of the world, you've probably heard us talk about it. We use modern-day phrase like prayer and fasting. And that's what prayer and fasting is all about, getting closer to God while we're getting further from some things of the world. And God goes on to explain that in chapter 4, just a few sentences later. Through Jeremiah the prophet, he says, so here's what I want you to do. In order to return to me, in order to get closer to me, in order to get further from some things of the world, he says, for for this, put on sackcloth, lament, and well. And uh, I I just want to give everybody a nerd moment, so if you're a nerd, you'll enjoy this. Some of you, you may not care too much. But the idea of putting on sackcloth is is not just a, a little phrase. It's not hyperbole. It meant that they actually went and changed clothes. They took all of their their nice stuff, their colorful stuff, their stuff that was made to fit, and they put it all away, and they put on what was essentially a sack, except upside down. Like if you've ever taken a bag and you put a hole in it, like because you didn't have a raincoat, and so you put a garbage bag over you this way. You ever done that to a kid or something? You know, we we did that going to Carowinds when it was raining. We didn't have anything else. You know, you just, oh, garbage bags. Cut a little hole, stick it over their head. Uh, Anyway, so what they would do is they would take something that has never been dyed. It had no color. It had no form fitting. It had no shape. It had nothing to impress anyone. It was sackcloth. And the minute that you put it on, it was a symbol to everybody who looked at you. One of two things was happening. Number one, you were in mourning because someone important to you has died. Or number two, you are in repentance and humility before God because you've discovered that you've lost your way. And so God would tell them to put on sackcloth and return to him. The prophet Joel says it like this, put on sackcloth and lament consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Again, it's exactly what God said. If you will return to me, then do what you know to do. Go to the ancient way of fasting. That's why he says, get rid of some of the things that are in the world and then seek me. Put on sackcloth and return to this. God is simply calling them to this ancient practice of prayer and fasting. Now look, if you are bowing down to a cow in your living room, if you are going to a temple where Baal is, you have stopped praying to God. You have stopped fasting. You have stopped removing things. These actually were incredibly normal practices for God's people until they had lost their way. The idea of seeking God and and fasting from something that was in their life was a regular practice. You maybe know that we do this on occasion here at Grace Life. We do it as a church family twice a year. They would do it 
many times, and they would do it individually, and they would do it any time that God put something upon their heart that they needed to get away from something and get closer to him. And it's interesting, we, we were talking earlier about how Jeremiah and Romans, opposite ends of the Bible almost, how they, they are so similar. And as we think once again about what God is saying about going back to the ancient way, uh, through Jeremiah, through Joel, almost at the end of the Bible in James, God says almost the same thing. Again, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. In other words, get away from some things you're saying and thinking. Get away from some things you're doing. Draw near to God. He will meet you there. It's the ancient way of prayer and fasting. And the reality is Jesus even did this. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It, it. When he was beginning his public ministry, and that's how we refer to him walking around and teaching and preaching and, and healing people, he did that for about three years at the end of his life. Prior to that, he had been a child and raised at home and grew up, and, and there was not a lot of anything else. And so there was this, this time. We don't know a lot about his childhood. But then right before he entered into the ministry God had called him to, he had 40 days that he spent in the wilderness fasting and praying. And you have to think about that for a minute. Because sometimes when, when I, I talk about the need to pray and fast, meaning let's get away from some things and get closer to God, people say, well, I feel pretty good about myself. I'm doing the one-year Bible reading, and I'm only three days behind. It's January 7th. I'm doing pretty good, you know. And, uh, well, you know, I don't, I don't think I have too many terribly sinful activities. I, I think I'm all right. Jesus was God. Perfectly sinless. And if someone who's perfectly sinless still needs to get away from things of the world that they're living in, if someone who is one part of the Trinity still wants to get away from all of the other noise, the other distractions in order to have greater fellowship with the rest of the Trinity, how much more do we need it? No matter how good we're doing. No matter how many times we've gone to church and no matter how well you're doing with your, your Bible reading, it's, it's not so much about trying to take a meter of how bad you're doing. It's about saying, wait a minute, I, I'd like to be closer to God and kind of further from some things in the world. And Jesus demonstrated some really great things because he fasted food for 40 days. He could have just fasted humans. That would have been a really good... I mean, can you all imagine what it's like? I mean, Jesus always was. That's, that's a whole other theology thing, but that was for free if you ever take a theology class. Jesus has always existed. He was in heaven. He comes down to earth. He's only ever been with the Father, the Holy Spirit, these angels. He's, he's in heaven, and here we go. Suddenly, he's got to walk dusty streets, get his feet dirty, and hang out with guys that are arguing about which one is greater than the other. I think it would have been fasting enough just to say, God, let me just be alone from these crazy humans for 40 days. But he actually also chose not to fast food, which is one of the most common ways of fasting. We always, we're not legalistic about fasting. We tell you to do whatever God puts on your heart. Whatever you feel is the thing that would help you get closest to God. If you got away from it, then you do that. But the reason that, that food is such a standard, the reason even Jesus did that, because the Bible tells us he was hungry. And if even Jesus gets hungry, 
in his fasting, what he is showing us is that we're going to have times where in our humanity, we're going to be weak. Jesus, the man, was hungry and weak at that point. And it reminds us that in our humanity, we're going to need the strength of the Father to carry us through. And, and so that's why I believe that, that Jesus even fasted food. Is, it was the normal thing to do, but it also reminds us of how we need to remind ourselves we're humans. And we are only so strong. And even at our best, we still need the Father to carry us through what we're doing. It was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for Kent, by the way. I'm going to pick on Kent. Can I do that? Do y'all, do y'all love Kent, right? Everybody knows Kent? He's the godliest man in this church, if you didn't know that, right? I mean, we all raise your hand if you know Kent's the godliest man in this church. Look at, see how many hands just went up, by the way. Now, here, here's the thing. We, we always kind of laugh about how he is more godly than me, and you love him more than me, and uh, I try not to lose too much sleep over that. But can we be serious for a minute? You know the reason we know that? Because he does a lot of prayer and fasting. And I'll just go and tell you, he does more than I do. Constantly. He doesn't just do the two weeks during the year. Matter of fact, I, I get frustrated sometimes because he's always praying. His brother's right there. Like, he's like, would you just stop it? Are you trying to outdo Jesus? Like, come on, man. What? He's already been into a fast for this year. Truth is, he fasts at least one day every week is a normal part of his routine because the normal part of his routine is to just remind himself how easy it is to get trapped in some stuff in this world and how much we need to get closer to God. And I love what he models for us because it's some of us just wait until we get into a really desperate or really dark place where we feel like sin has taken over and go, okay, I need to fast this sin for a little bit and break its power. No, that's called repentance not fasting. It's a good idea, by the way, to separate yourself from some of that. But, and Kent is such a good friend. I, I come in Mondays. Monday is my day to, to thank God that uh, he showed up over the weekend and get ready for the next one. And so on Mondays, I write my messages. I, that's the best time for me to think is right after I see what God did to get started for what God wants to do next. And so I get to close my door, tell everybody to leave me alone and, and start studying scripture and getting ready for what I'm doing. And and uh, when I get the outline of, of what God wants to say and where he wants to go, I reward myself with lunch. And it might be an early lunch. Sometimes it's a late lunch. There are days I don't get lunch because it takes me a little longer to get what God wants. But when, when, when I get to reward myself with lunch, I always go and knock on Kent's door and say, hey, would you like to go to lunch with me? And he always says yes, and he's always fasting. He fasts on Mondays. But that's how good of a friend he is. He goes to a restaurant and smells the food and sits there and, and supports me and asks how he can pray for me. And Here's my point. How long do we want to make jokes about Kent being godly before we want to join him? So yeah, you've probably figured it out. We even gave you a heads up last week. We are about to kick off our week of prayer and fasting. But what if I were preaching this message at a different time? What if I were preaching this message three weeks from now or three months ago and your response was not to get involved this week. Your response was to figure out for yourself how you were going to get closer to God and further from some things of the world. I'm going to tell you for me, my closest 
times of feeling like I hear God's voice. That's important. Of feeling like God is speaking. Feeling like he's just actually there. You know, there are days where you just feel like he's with you and days where you maybe don't feel that as much. The times where I feel the most connected to God have always been connected to a time of prayer and fasting. Always. My wife and I have done some things where we fast one day a week. Uh, matter of fact, this church was birthed that way. I don't know if you know that or not. But we began this church as a, as a team. When we moved to Columbia, we fasted every Tuesday together. Every one of our leadership meetings was to fast all day Tuesday and then have dinner together Tuesday night praying for what God would do here. Prayer and fasting is what the foundation is if you go and, and look at what built Grace Life. My college campus ministry did the same thing. If you wanted to be a part of the leadership team, you prayed and you fasted one day a week. It was also Tuesday. It's just been a part of my life for a very, very long time to just take part of a day and to say, God, I need more of you. I need to be further from the stuff around me. And I need to be closer to who you are and what you're doing. And uh, I, I've got a little thing that goes on in our house that, I just thought was the perfect illustration. But we've got washcloths in our kitchen that we use to, well, you have them, right? If you don't, I'm not coming to your house. But you use them to clean up. And when somebody spills something, you wipe on them. And, and so we've got these white washcloths that we, we use for everything. And if somebody spills coffee, we wipe them up, and then we throw it in the wash. And when it comes back, the next time kids spill spaghetti sauce, and we, we wash it up, and then, you know, wash that, and you try it again. And Well, the thing is, Looks pretty good. This is a clean one that I just pulled out of the drawer. I don't see any spots. I don't see spaghetti sauce and everything. But we also have some white washcloths in our bathroom that I use for like washing my face. I'm a little OCD. I'll tell you a little secret here. Uh, I, I don't want to touch something dirty. If it, if it looks dirty, I'm not washing my face with it. Like, it's got to start cleaner. You know what I'm saying? And so we've, we've got some in our bathroom, and I, I made sure we bought different shape and sizes because I don't ever want them confused. I don't want something that wiped the kitchen floor wiping my face. So, so we've got the, the ones for face washing that are white, and we've got the ones for cleaning the kitchen that are white. But the funny thing is, the colors aren't quite the same, are they? And what happens, the only time that you'll ever notice that this white one in the kitchen is not so white is when it leaves the kitchen and meets this one in the wash and the dryer. Now, I hope you kind of saw how obvious that point was, but sometimes if you don't get out of the world you are in all day long, you don't figure out how corrupt it is making your soul. We've got to get away from our world God told them in Jeremiah, put away the detestable things. You might not even have something that's horridly detestable. I'd like to think you don't. I'd like to think that if you tried to rack your brain for the most offensive thing you're doing to God, that, that you'd have to think a few minutes. That would be great. It would mean that you're sincerely seeking God and, and, and you've already put a few things out of your life. See, for us sometimes when we're separating ourselves from the world, when we're getting this out of the kitchen, it's not always about removing sin. It might be just about setting aside food or a type of food for a while because our bodies are going to remind us real quickly, I'm hungry. And you're going to be reminded, oh yeah, I know why I'm doing this. I want to get closer to God. Thank you, stomach, for that reminder. 
Maybe for you it's social media. Maybe it's the news. I, I would just love to fast the news <laughs> right now. That's a, there's nothing helpful coming out of that. Maybe it's television. I don't know. It's whatever would help you find time and space and be a constant reminder of how we, we need to get closer to our God. Because one of the ancient paths for the people were to constantly remind themselves. It wasn't wait until it's broken. It was let's constantly get closer to God and further from some things of the world. So we do this twice a year as a church family. And so what we will be doing this upcoming week, I'll just give you a little bit of uh, up, uh, information, I guess, is the right way to say that. First of all, we're going to kick it off, something we haven't done in a while, uh, either due to COVID or schedules or whatever. We're going to kick it off with a worship and prayer night Sunday right here at 6 p.m., I believe. And uh, we'll have about an hour or so of uh, me not preaching, so that's the good news. And it will be just extended worship and, and prayer over some very specific things uh, that we believe God is leading us to pray over for our church and for our families and for our nation. And then we'll get together every morning, right? If we remember what it said, call a fast and call the assembly of the people together. Come to the house of the Lord. And so we'll be here every Monday through Friday, every day, 6.30 to 7.30. And I want you to know it's not the same as church. It, you, it's not a big deal if you come late or have to leave early. You may have to go to work. You may have another schedule. Just come for part of it. Saturday, you get to sleep in a little bit. It's 9 to 10. And I want to encourage you, if you've never been to one of these, there really is some power to getting into a room of people who have traded sleep and food for the presence of God. I'm going to tell you, if you've never been a part of that, you're going to experience something different. And so if you can, maybe it's just one time this week, maybe your schedule will allow, I don't know, but if you could, consider being a part of that. If you're still feeling it's best to stay distant and stay at home, the good news for all of these, Sunday night, Monday through Saturday, they will all be online. You can join us online. Definitely want to encourage you to be a part of that as much as you can. I haven't really talked through the practicalities of how to do fasting. We have a whole web page, either on our app or on our website, dedicated to that. I want to encourage you to go check that out. I've, I've done some little two and three minute Q&As on questions people ask. You can check those out. We've got some articles there. We've got full messages that I've preached about fasting. Whatever question you have, I assure you, you can, you can get an answer to it there. And We also have some Things. One of the things we'll be doing all through the week, got some resources there. We've got a, a prayer theme for every day. And I don't know anybody that wouldn't say we need to be praying for these things. It's praying for his kingdom to come, praying for our own families, praying for our hearts to be more like his. And one of them is praying for our city, state, and nation, which I think we would all agree needs a move of God like never before. And it's time for the people of God to say we need God in our lives we need God to clean our hearts. We need God to heal our nation. God is the only answer for everything you and I are facing right now. And his promise is to give us rest for our souls. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. I'm going to close by reading a text to you that I got last week. The cool part is I didn't ask this person to do this. It just fits perfectly. This is a, a former member of Grace Life, actually uh, was here for probably three or four years in the army, uh, and then they, they got moved on to a, another job, and 
I asked if I could share this. His name is Michael. His wife's name is Brittany. And, and he texted me. I was on, on a little vacation with my family. I got this long text. It says, we're, we're going to start our time of prayer and fasting in a few weeks. And wanted to know if there was anything in particular you needed or wanted prayer for. And, and I, I just sat there and thought, that's awesome. They don't come to Grace Life as their home church anymore. But this regular practice of seeking God and separating from something in the world actually has become something they do as a family. They were a young couple when they were here. They've, they've gotten a little older, and I'm not going to spoil the rest of the story by telling you what's happened with their family. But he goes on to say, I, I wanted to remind you of a time seven years ago when Brett and I were having so much trouble getting pregnant. That January was the first time I had fasted for Brittany to have a baby, and it wouldn't be the last. And how God answered our prayer and continues to do so. Brittany's pregnant again, 12 weeks with child number three. Yay. Each new year, I remember how desperate I felt during that January, and I'm reminded how awesome our God is. To all of the outside observers, he answered my prayer perfectly. But more than that changed during those years that I fasted, y'all get that? Years. It wasn't, well, we'll fast for one day and we'll have a baby. They had been struggling for years to have a child. During those years that I fasted, my heart changed. And I began to trust him more than I had before. This occurred before Elijah was born. He's their firstborn son. We had begun to process the likelihood that we wouldn't have children. God performed a miracle in my heart before he ever performed one with us having a child. And that, the reason I share that story is because that's my prayer for us. Look, if you need a move of God in your life, I pray that you'll get that. If there are circumstances that you need to see changed, if, if there's a, a healing that you need, if there's a financial breakthrough that you need, if there's a relationship that you need God to work in somebody's heart, I pray that he will meet that need as you go through this week of prayer and fasting. But what I hope for more is that you will simply get closer to God, that you'll trust him more, that you'll know that he's good more than you do today that you will experience more of God in your life. And so one of the things that we do here at Grace Life is we join each other as a family in praying for one another. So for those of you that are in the room right now when you came in, these cards that are all across the stage on the floor up here, there's one on your seat. And what we're going to do is take a minute and we're going to each anonymously, unless you really want to put your name in, you can, it's your choice, but we're going to write down what do we need God to do in our lives. And every day that we get together, we're going to be reading over each of these cards and praying. Somebody's going to be praying for you many times throughout the week. And the good news is if you're worshiping with us online, you've got the same opportunity. Simply, uh, there's a link you can click or uh, I believe text uh, WAPOF. There you go. W-O-P-F. That's weird, isn't it? Week of Prayer and Fasting. That's what that stands for. W-O-P of text. That to the number on the screen and then we will get your prayer request. We'll get it added to these cards. We want to make sure that we are standing with each other as a church family. And so uh, right now what we're going to do is we're going to take 60 seconds. One minute. And if you're here in the building, we're going to fill this out. If you're online, then you're going to text WOPF to that number. We're going to send you the card. There will also be a link right there in the chat. 
go ahead. Take 60 seconds. Help us know how to pray for you. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much that your first call is always for your people to come back to you. Correction is the last thing that you really want to do. So God, our heart is to be people who return, to get closer, whether we are very close or whether we are very far. My prayer for every single person who is watching this right now is that they will get closer to you throughout this week. That we will intentionally find something from this world we set aside and we use that as a reminder that we don't need as much from this world as we do you. God, we stand on your promise that as we draw close to you, you will draw close to us and we thank you. If you just stay in a place of prayer, I wanna to talk to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. It's the simple truth that we are all imperfect and yet, our God is perfect. And so there's a fellowship breakdown. But God loved us so much, he didn't want that fellowship breakdown to stay that way. So he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, die on the cross, so that his death could pay for our sins. And then raised him from the dead so that by that same power, you and I could experience eternal life. It's called the free gift of salvation. And it's for anyone who recognizes who Jesus is and what he's done for them. And if you've never done that, I want to help you do that right now, wherever you are. Just say something like this to yourself and God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.